So I'm going to, today I was planning on uh, basically setting you up, and I am, I'm setting you up for our seven-day fast that will begin not this Monday, but the following Monday. Many of you might be on a fast, or you might be wanting to do a longer fast than that. I'm not going to get into the mechanics of the fast today. Uh, we'll post uh, a teaching for you uh, online tomorrow or something just so you'll have the basic premise of fasting if you're not familiar with it. But I really wanted to get into more of the vision for this year and, and what God's put on my heart for it. He's really brought great clarity to it. And then also uh, give you some folk, uh, scripture focuses while you are fasting over the seven-day period. You can actually start on those today or tomorrow, but especially while you're doing your fast. So for 2024, this is what God has dropped in my spirit. I've prayed about it. I've searched it. I've tweaked it. 2024, get this. Now, now Travis, I forgot he was out of town. How about the great news with Meg? She's with child. Hallelujah. Praise God. We got to find out a few weeks before you all, but man. Well, oh, we're not? They don't know yet? Well, you know now, Meg and Lily is with child, praise God. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the father, and I can say it if I want to. I'm the one who laid hands on her. I'll say it if I want to. I told her that little bun was in the oven during two streams. I don't care. Trouble's my middle name. And my last name, and a name after that. Are you glad to hear that Meg's going to be, she's got a little bun in the oven. Come on, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's so awesome. You know, uh, Prophet Harold prophesied over, and I'd prayed for it, Steph prayed for it, and I, I felt like, it was, I'd already told her, I said, I, I feel it's there. And then he, he didn't know anything. He prophesied over and he kept saying, now, you sure you're, you don't have a child right now? You sure you're not pregnant? I feel like it's here. Well, it looks like a week after that's when she, the magic happened with her and Trav. Amen. <laughs> Holy Ghost had to get involved, but it happened. Hallelujah. Now, I love them. They're my kids. They're, they're amazing and just an honor to see God move in our family. And I say, that's the power of covenant. When you're in covenant, you got a whole house full of believers and spiritual leadership believing with you for something to come to pass, it's going to come to pass. Can you say amen? Um, so let me get back to the vision for this year. <laughs> and the reason I started that with Travis is because I just got it to Josh and those guys. I don't know if they have time to get this up, but if they do, the message, I sent it to him and forgot he's with Reed right now, he and Meg on the Reed trip. But 2024 is a year of invitation and expansion. Invitation and expansion to experience a supernatural lifestyle to establish a legendary legacy for us and others. Let me say that again. 2024 is a year of invitation and expansion to experience a supernatural lifestyle to establish a legendary legacy for us and others. Now, everybody say this with me. It's not on the screen, but you can repeat after me. Say this. 2024 is a year of invitation and expansion to experience a supernatural lifestyle to establish... A legacy, a legendary legacy for us and others. Anybody up for that this year? Are you ready for that this year? I am ready for it. Well, sounds like three of us are going to get it. God bless the rest of you. No legendary stuff happening in your life, I guess. Yeah, just getting it. Anybody getting it this year? Is that going to be what you're... And I've got that as part of the scripture reading. We'll get all that out to you too. But I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i probably talk about some of those scriptures today. I want to come back to Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35, where I left off a few weeks ago, kind of to set up what's in my heart and spirit for you today and in the coming weeks. 
It says, on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. When they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was, and other little boats also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat down the boat so that that it was already filling. So they were sinking, basically. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him, and he said to them, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And then he arose, in verse 39, and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Verse 40, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Hebrews tells us that without faith, chapter 1, about verse 8 or 9 or so, it says without faith it is impossible to please God. Didn't say it's tough or difficult. Said it's impossible. Why? Because faith is the language of God. Faith is the creative force that God uses to release his voice over a situation. His word. What is his word? His word is not a what, his word is a who. Logos in the Bible tells us in the New Testament, logos is the word and rhema. It's made of two words to explain the word of God. Number one, we know the Word of God, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And about verse 14 or so, it tells us that he manifested himself in flesh, right? That's the Word of God. And what I want you to understand is when you study the Word, it's made, it takes two words to sum up, sum up really what it's about. The Logos is the sum total of the person, personality, and purpose of God. The sum total of the person, personality, and purpose of God. Rhema is the promises of God from his word. Promises of God from his word. So if I'm going to access the person, personality, and all those things and and the attributes of God, then I must be in relationship with him. If I'm going to walk in rhema, the promises and the blessing of what God has spoken over my life, I got I to gotta access that, and it comes to salvation. And then the way, we, how are we saved? We are saved what? By grace through faith. Faith is the vehicle that accesses grace. Grace is not just an adjective or verb. We hear about grace. The, it's charis in, in, in the Greek, and it's the root word for charisma, which is talking about the gifts of God or gifts from God. And Charis is the gift from God, which is what? His son, Jesus. Jesus came what? Not to condemn the world, but he came that the world might be saved through believing in him. And as we begin to understand this process and we begin to put it together, we realize that faith is the language of God. And what is his language? In the beginning, he spoke and things happened in Genesis 1, right? When he spoke, the, the, the earth was created. When he spoke, the stars, the moons. And when he spoke, the earth separated. When he spoke, he created us as well. So what I want you to understand, yeah, the six days of creation, which means the number of man. The seventh day means perfection or wholeness. And that's when God said, seventh day is the day to what? Rest. And really, it's not even talking about resting It's talking about a time of reflecting and worshiping on the works God has done over those previous six days. How did it come? The the creation of the world, the planet, the stars, the moon, you and I, and everything else, how did it come? It came from the mind and the heart of our Heavenly Father. And when he thought it, he spoke it, and it was. His words are creative. You and I can't create anything. We can produce and and we can produce something from what has been created. You can have a genius ideal to build a chair, but it takes God's resources to put the chair together. You, you can have the ideal to build the greatest computer or phone in the world, but it's made up of many different particles of what came from God's voice and word when he created the world. He also created the earth and separated it with the waters, but in the earth are minerals where you get your aluminum and your metals and all the things it takes to 
build this thing you feel you have created. And we realize that nothing comes to us that is good unless it comes through God. Anyway. And I love this when we talk about this with Jesus resting in the boat. And he begins to say, why do you have no faith? And what he's saying is, you just saw me raise Lazarus from the dead. You've seen me, you know, deliver the, the demoniac from Gadaria. You've seen me heal the boy that was throwing himself in the fire. And, and you guys couldn't do it, but I did it. And I said, this does not come out except what by prayer and fasting. Well, what is prayer? Prayer is simply communing and conversing with asking and receiving from God. A lot of people get part of it. They beg, they plead, they, they'll commune just enough to tell God to spit out at him a one-sided conversation. But what is it? Prayer is communing and conversing with. Communing means I'm in communion with him. Blood of blood, flesh of flesh, spirit of spirit. Communing in covenant relationship with him. Communing and conversing, having conversation. If you're having a conversation with someone and you're the only one talking or they're the only one talking, that's not a conversation. You know, that, that's not what God is talking about. So prayer is communing and having conversation with. Look at this. These other two parts, a lot of people got this, asking, but then the key is and receiving from God. See, we don't ask unless we ask through a petition, the prayer of petition. Every prayer begins with the prayer petition. And then you can pray by, and what is that prayer petition? It has to be a prayer of faith. Because if I can't please God without faith, how am I going to get my request heard and answered? Because faith is his communication mechanism. Faith is what accesses the word and releases the word into the atmosphere. Faith is what? Simply knowing and trusting God. Knowing and trusting God. And also, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is what? Now, can you all say it with me? Now, the son, okay, I got three and I appreciate it. I want everybody that knows this scripture to say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Now, faith is what the, now faith, number one, faith is not past tense or future tense. If it's future tense, it's hope. We know that uh, hope is basically, expect, what is it again? What is it? Confident expectation. You and Bill wrote a book about that. I should remember it. I love it when I heard it. Confident expectation. It's having faith in what you're expecting for. Hope is just a, a fantasy if you don't have confidence and expectation that God can bring it to pass. It's, it's like a, a fleece. So faith is what the substance of the thing hoped for. See, see, substance and thing are not the same thing. The substance that it took to build this speaker is not the speaker until it's built. The substance to build your automobile is not an automobile until it's assembled together. You guys and gals from Toyota understand that. It's not an automobile until it's assembled together. Faith is merely hope, confident expectation until whatever it is you're believing for is assembled and brought into this now. Faith is the substance, the material from the creative force of God's voice and his word coming directly from his mind and heart to establish a thing. Right? So whenever we think about that, Faith is the substance. It's, it's the creative force that God set into action when he created the world and created that universe in you and I. Faith is the substance now of what? Of the healing hope for. Of the breakthrough hope for. Of the finances hope for. Of the deliverance hope for. Of the mate you're hoping for. Right of the prayer of healing or blessing your children, protecting your children, hope for. Faith is the substance. It carries, it's the vehicle that carries the thing. It is the vehicle that carries the substance to create the thing you're believing for. 
Now faith is the substance of the healing hope for. Now faith is the salvation hope for. Now faith is the deliverance hope for. Now faith is the, the financial breakthrough hope for, right? So now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Look now, here's how faith works. Evidence, it means confident. Confident or evidence. Another translation, it means concrete. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, but concrete, the, the foundation of it is now faith is something's hoped for. The evidence, right, the proof of, it should be things seen, shouldn't it? Well, if it's things seen, it's not faith. If you can do it on your own, it's not faith. If you can save yourself, it's not faith. Now, faith, Hebrews 11, 1, is the substance things hoped for, the evidence the concrete belief, another translation of the Bible says a title guarantee of the things hoped for. Wow. So we can't access any of the promises of God without faith. And you won't operate in faith, spiritual faith, until you're born again. You can operate in the faith, as a faith of a farmer. Natural faith. You cannot be born again and be generous and sow financial seed and you'll get a return on it because it's a principle that God established from the earth. Now, it won't be as blessed, but when you are blessed of God and a child of God, the Bible says he will make you rich with no sorrow. You see, whenever you do it as a farmer does it, then you do it. And you're the one to keep it, take care of it, and make it grow. But when you do it from the Spirit of God through faith in covenant relationship with Him, what happens? Once you do that, what happens? It not only establishes the finances or whatever you're believing for, but it removes the sorrow piece that we receive from the curse of the fall of Adam and Eve. Now, why did I get on that? trying to think. Now faith, what is the subject? Da, 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 da. There was a reason. I was explaining something to you. Oh, prayer. Prayer is being in communion with relationship, blood of blood, spirit of spirit. Being in communion with and what? Being in communion and having conversation two ways. You want to hear what God's got to say. Asking so if you ask without faith, the Bible says you ask amiss. In other words, it's not asking God. You're just throwing it out. You might as well ask your plumber or, or your gardener or whatever. You got just as good a chance getting it through them as you do God, unless you ask through faith. Because without faith, it's what impossible to please God. Asking. And then what? Here's the proponent. A lot of people would stir themselves and ask in faith, but they negate the fourth part, which is receiving. You, gotta, you don't need to focus as much time on asking in faith as you do receiving because that's where the fight is. The battle is not in getting the faith stirred up to ask. The fight is in the receiving. And once you ask in faith, and you know that you know, according to the Word of God, and in your spirit it was in faith, at that point you don't ask again. Because then you're showing a lack of faith. If I have to ask again. No, at that point I begin to praise and give thanks for receiving what I asked for. So, whenever we're walking in the things that God has for us, Jesus is telling them, you have no faith. What? It doesn't mean they've never had faith. It doesn't mean they won't have faith. He just said, now there is no faith. Faith is now. It's not what you did a year ago or a day ago. Faith is now. It's immediate. And nothing can be created without God's creative words being released over a situation. Well, what about their mind? Well, without God, they wouldn't be on this earth and they wouldn't have the mind they have to be a genius to, to create that. So it all comes from God. He is the source and the resource. Can somebody say amen? So I love this because in this story, God illustrates, Jesus illustrates for me the role of maturity that God requires from us. 
These people have been with Jesus, feeding 5,000 plus their kids, probably 20 plus thousand people minimum. They, they seem raised the dead, heal the sick. They seem to do all this stuff. And right now, when the wall comes that they're facing, this wall that their life could be taking, not realizing to die is to gain when you're serving Jesus, but fearing natural circumstances and their life, which most of us would do, right? Having the word living in the, resting in the boat instead of accessing the word and releasing what Jesus had taught them and faith in him and his father to do these things because he said in John 14, you will not only do the things I've done, but what you would do even greater things than these. It would be greater for one of them to stop the storm than Jesus because the life that Jesus lives in, there are no storms. You and I face storms. We face battles. We face walls. And as I've been teaching you for a few weeks, uh, when I was here previously, what was I teaching you? I was teaching you that that wall is your answer. When you hit the wall, don't run from it. You got to do one of two things. You got to get a word from God and destroy it or annihilate it. Or you got to command it to go just like the children of Israel obeyed God through revelation on the seventh time the wall of Jericho fell. You know, I always thought in about it fell and crumbled, but it didn't. Actually, the anthropologist, whoever it is, that whenever they were digging it up, I've been there. Mark's been there several times. I've been there several times. And what it really is, the walls sunk into the earth. Think about it. If these high walls fail, how hard is it going to be to get over those walls to do battle when they're trying to kill you? What God did, he, remo- he sunk the walls into the earth so that they could just go through. Just like when he parted the Red Sea. He, there was multiple miracles. He didn't just part the Red Sea. Could you imagine how damp, sandy, it wouldn't be muddy, but it'd be like quicksand so soft under the bed of that for over a million of the children of Israel to walk through with kill- kids and goods and beasts and animals. God not only opened the Red Sea, but he laid a foundation for them to walk across. When God moves, you can move. I said, when God moves, you can move because you're not moving on your own ability. What is ability? To build, but also the root word of ability is able, enablement. What is the anointing? It's the It's the enablement of God. It's the ability of God. God, in in Hebrews, gosh, I'm I'm trying to get to my message. (laughs) What's that scripture in, in, in Hebrews 4 where it says, the only thing that can divide the word of God, your spirit and your soul, because your spirit, you, you, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, what? Says, I pray for your W-H-O-L-E, spirit, so embodied to be found blameless in that day. You're not a dichotomy, you're a trichotomy. You're a spirit, you have a soul, your decision-making resources, and it's housed in your body. Is this helping anybody? So as we understand that, and we begin to realize that God said also in Deuteronomy, I forget which chapter it was, that whenever we tithe, it releases the tithes what not for ourselves, but whenever we tithe not to get wealth, but to do God's will on the earth, he makes us wealthy. Not just tithe, but when we give and tithe. What's it do? It, it, it makes, God will find ways to get wealth to you if he can get it through you. And it says right there, it talks about through the ability or the anointing of God. What is the anointing? It's the presence of God smeared on you. It also is the presence of God that makes you a target for God. And once you become a target for God, you can target your faith toward what you're believing for. And then what does it do? It, gives the, it puts the ability of God on it. See, when you are operating in the ability of God, you stepped out of your own strength. You stepped out of your own wisdom. 
now you're moving in what the enablement, which is the root of anointing, when I tap into God's ability on a matter and I smear him through his word and faith in his word and direct it like an arrow to whatever I'm believing to break or to, to deliver or to even create. Many times whenever you're healed, you've heard me say this many times, if you've been here a while, really the miracle is already done because 1 Peter 2.24 says, what by his stripes you were healed, right? But say, but my legs broke. Well, if God heals your legs supernaturally, instantly in front of you, what did he do? He didn't re-heal your leg. Now faith, the vehicle of God, went into your future to bring the healing into your now. When God heals your leg, it's not half broke or needing. No, I've seen God take pins out of people's legs and arms. What is it? Releasing the ability or enablement of God over a matter or situation. I got all that out of one statement. Help us, Jesus. So whenever we look at this, and, and he did not design us to ask him for everything. It's like the picture used to be on my mama's wall back in eastern Kentucky when she lived back there, and you had the foot, you had the footprints, and you had you saw the footprints, and then later on you saw Jesus. And what was it? And the guy says, "Well, Lord, I noticed you're. I'm right with you. There's four steps. There's two different people's steps. But when times got tough, I only see one set of steps." And Jesus replied back, "What? That's because I was carrying you." So maturity is something that in the eighth grade you are that you weren't in the first grade, that you should be in the 12th grade that you're not in the eighth grade. It should be when you're working and so on. What happens is maturity is taking experience and knowledge and putting it into action, which gives you a maturity to understand what pain is and what joy is and what good is and what bad is. Has anybody ever here, maybe you say you've been bankrupt, you're in financial hardship because of decisions you made. I, I can raise my feet and my hands. But later on in life, as you get older, you don't have as much time to waste and you make less of those mistakes because now you're mature and you can resist some of the temptations of buying something quickly, realizing that the pain and suffering and the stress of paying something off, you can barely pay off if everything goes perfectly. That's maturity. Wisdom, knowledge is, you know, not to be in debt. Wisdom is to know why you're not supposed to be in debt. <laughs> anyway. So, this really is almost a contradiction to what the lifestyle we would think Jesus wants us to live because why wouldn't I just grab Jesus and say, please save me? You can do that once and then you're saved. <laughs> Maturity is now you have communion and conversation, what, and you pray, you ask, and you receive. And so as you begin to understand that principle, it can take you through any matter in life, but it's up to you to have the maturity to stand on it, to believe it, and to use it. So they were operating in fear. Okay. So here's the disciples. They come to Jesus, make a request. He's God. What do we call petition prayer? So they pray. Jesus answers the prayer, and then he asks them, why don't you have faith? So I think I cleared that up for you pretty good. Yeah. Now, I want to get to where something I haven't shared with you, and I'm going to get with this. So Jesus illustrated to them what it is to live a supernatural lifestyle when you're in communion with the Heavenly Father. Because remember, he said... I don't say anything or I don't do anything that the Father didn't t ask, tell me to say or ask me to do. doesn't mean he didn't know it. But he was still operating as a man filled with the Spirit instead of his Godhead, even though he was still God. So as we begin to understand that, he shows us and demonstrates us how to live, what? Supernatural. It's not natural lifestyle, but it's super. It's a God lifestyle that we are called to live. And he illustrated that for his disciple. Paul gives great language to it later when he writes the epistle of, of Ephesus or to the Ephesians. He wrote to the Ephesians. The spirit is actually Ephesus. So in verses 3 and 4, Ephesians 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed, when I got this revelation, it changed everything for me. 
because I didn't see myself this way, right? Ephesians 1, beginning verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, somebody say has, blessed us with, somebody say every, every spiritual blessing, where? In the heavenly places. Where is the heavenly places? In Christ, it says. The Bible says when you're born again, Christ is in you the hope of glory. The confident expectation of the manifested presence of God. Just, it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Holiness is, yes, of course, we want to do good and not do bad. And we don't want to sin. Sin begins to separate you from God. It causes problems for you and for everyone around you. It doesn't affect God, but it affects you, your life, and those connected with you. But when you begin to realize holy or holiness means separated or other. God is holy. He is separated. He is other. Holiness does not have anything to do with your works. Holiness has to do with the issue of the heart. Amen? And as we begin to live a holy life and our heart's right, we'll do less bad things and stupid things. Now, when we begin to look at this, we've been seated, what, in heavenly places. And as we begin to think that, when you've been seated in heavenly places and you've already been blessed, guys, you've already been blessed with spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So the problem with that is it's an invitation to an experience, to experience a supernatural lifestyle. But it's been reduced to a doctrine talking about the Godhead and this and that and making it like it's second or third person instead of Paul is trying to say, if you're born again, this is you. It's just like in First Peter uh, chapter 1, whenever that, First uh, or Second Peter chapter 1, Whenever Peter said to the disciples, he said to, to, to some new disciples, he just got saved, he says, you have equal honor faith with us, talking about the apostles. Now, that doesn't mean they've matured to use that faith, but he's saying God's no respecter of persons. He can give you equal honor, and when you begin to look at equal honor, it's talking about impartation. In other words, the apostle Peter told new Christians, you have equal honor honor, faith with us. And then he goes into the Godhead and talks about the things that we have. But think about that, guys. When the seed of God is in you, his spirit and his glory, when you're born again, and it's just as powerful as the seed that was in Peter and John and Matthew and Luke and Mark. Trying to decide how much to cut out here, guys. That's all. <clears throat> let, me, let me say this. Years ago, Steph and I were part of it. You know, the, the spirit of joy would break out in services. I mean, we were at one church of over 5,000 attendants in uh, Florida. And, and Pastor Rod was starting to preach, and all of a sudden, people started laughing all over. I mean, you couldn't do anything, but, you know, then people started laughing. And you, it was happening across the country in a lot of churches. It began to happen a lot of our services when we traveled. And it almost seemed fake. It would start with one or two people. And then before you know it, 70, 80% of the people are laying on the floor rolling and laughing and crying. The problem is they didn't get the revelation of the work God was doing. In other words, they didn't use the experience God gave them for the purpose he gave it for. They just felt better, and they were bragging, oh, man, I tell you, I wrote on, I'm going back to church again. It's like a, this one church had had revival for almost a year, months and months and months. And a good friend of mine who I love very much, Rodney Harry Brown, came from South Africa, and God used him in that way. He used him all kinds of ways, but when that hit, they were in Bible for months and months at that big church. Every night there was over 5,000 in attendance, and it was on TV, every night. And, and what was happening People did not have the maturity to access the purpose for which God gave them laughter, holy laughter. It made them feel better. They wanted it again and again and again. And they laughed, and it's it a supernatural thing. People would be broken from depression, healed. That was all good. 
But, but what I want you to realize, it, the experience became almost a doctrine. It, it didn't become what God wanted it to be as a whole. Many got it, but a lot didn't. And when we began to look at it, it was an invitation to experience a supernatural lifestyle of joy. It wasn't just to get you healed that day or get you set free that day. It was an invitation for a lifetime experience with God. In other words, God didn't give me anything new. He just stirred in them what's in them. Galatians 5 says what? In the Holy Spirit is joy, temperance, all that, the seven fruits of the Spirit. Joy, temperance, what is it? Faith, love, hope, joy, temperance, all that good stuff. Joy was one of them, amen. So anyway, those seven. I forget more than a lot of, well, I ain't gonna say that, but I, I seems like I'm forgetting every down and because this wasn't in my message. <laughs> so, so, thank you. I, I agree, it is all right. And so, um, I, I'm trying to set you up for this because this is really important. Everybody say experience. We have to understand when God allows you to participate, to see, or to receive a miracle, something that's supernatural, revelation that's supernatural that changes you, and so on, we cannot waste that experience. We add it to our arsenal because it's been stirred up in us, just like love, joy, peace, kindness, temperance, meekness, uh, and long-suffering, which means patience. So it's it stirred up in you. So when it stirred up in you, it wasn't just for the experience that day. That was great. But I, I, I saw this one mother and son years ago. We were having revival. We prayed for them. I prayed for them. And they got healed of diabetes. They were overweight. They ate a lot. And they were healed for just about the whole week. And then they come back to the end of the thing and say, well, you know, we might need prayer again. Well, what? Well, our blood sugar was perfect. And then we come back. Well, what happened? Well, you know, uh, it's, it's our sugar's high. Well, why is it high? Well, what'd you eat this week? Well, you know, we just hadn't got to go to those uh, Shoney smorgasbords and what's that steakhouse that always had those buffet? Ryan's. We've been at Ryan's about every day. And heck, we haven't been to eat that stuff for a while. And, and we ate it and then we just got sicker and sicker after that, like four or five days in. We, well, you received an experience with God, but you didn't put it in the arsenal of your supernatural lifestyle that he called you to live. You had an experience without the maturity. Now, they believe God could heal because they come back to get healed again, but God doesn't work that way. He said, I gave it to you. Now it's up to you to do something with it. Um, so what I want to get to with you is an experience is an open door that gives you legal access to the realm, realm of inheritance anytime you feel you need it. So an experience from God, right, whether it's revelation or manifested or you saw it, is an open door that now gives you legal access to the realm of your inheritance to live a supernatural lifestyle with God. Right there, that, that right there, if you just took what I just said and lived that right there, you could go back and stir your faith up like Josiah had to do, King, King Josiah, I guess, whenever he was being attacked by three different ites, the Amorites and all that, and they were going to be destroyed, and he called a prayer and a fasting, and when he called prayer and fasting, Second Chronicles 20, I think it is, or 19, and when he called a prayer and fasting, what happened? God said, go out by the rock Ziz, came through a prophetic voice in the temple, and just praise. Don't even worry about your weapons. And they thought it was crazy, but they did what God said. What happened? While they were waiting out there praising by the rock Ziz across the river, the three Amorites, the three Ites destroyed and killed each other. They walked in and took three days of gold and silver and their spoil and their jewelry and their food and their animals and beasts and even their weapons. But what happened before that? We get the part, call prayer, call fasting. That's what we're doing. That's great. But what initiated the corporate prayer and fasting was right before that in 2 in, in Chronicles, uh, the very first part of that chapter, 19, I think it is. What initiated that, he began to remember what God had done for him and for his forefathers. And he began to say, God, you delivered us from bondage and slavery. God, you opened the Red Sea. God, you tore down the wall of Jericho. God, he just started telling God, you've done all this for us. Why can't you do this? 
God didn't forget it because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's, he's not in time. He gives time as a tool for you and I. Oh, Kronos time, Carol's time. I don't have time to teach you that. But anyway, time is just something for us for now. It's not heaven because God is in a, your past, your present, and your future all at the same time because he is God and knows all things. He's what the beginning and the ending, the alpha and the omega. So he wasn't reminding God so God would remember. He was reminding God so God could see his maturity in his prayer. And it became a prayer of faith. He probably didn't have faith when he started quoting all those things that God, he'd seen God do for his children and he'd done for him. And as he kept quoting before long, man, whoo, he felt it. All right, now I'm ready. Now I'm ready to call fast. Now we're ready to hear God. Because, you know, to say go and battle these three armies, which would have devoured them, one and a half of them could have devoured them, wiped them off the earth. Instead of, instead of going in that, God could have given them that word and they had not obeyed it. Minus faith. But he stirred his faith of knowing and trusting God based on experiences he heard of or saw or had himself. And those experiences he added to his lifestyle to make it supernatural in that moment in time to bring the answer to save his nation. Who's crazy enough to go out to war without weapons and just praise him? Sent the tribe of Judah out first. Man, I bet some of those that didn't have faith, think he's just sending us out for a slaughter or a decoy. But there was probably enough that had faith. Anyway. Now, here's what it is. These moments when you have these experiences or you witness them, these moments are divine moments, right? What are they? They are an invitation. Two words I've said. Experience and invitation. Say experience. An invitation. They are invitations to a supernatural lifestyle. A lifestyle that's not of this world. A lifestyle that lives on food not of this world. A lifestyle that lives on the spirit and the water that's not of this world. A lifestyle that Jesus talked about when they asked him how we pray. How it be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A lifestyle that brings what's in heaven to earth to manifest God's plan. Your experiences. Now, your negative experiences and your unbelief are also an invitation to keep you from a supernatural lifestyle. The Bible says, Jesus said, God is no respecter of persons. The book of Numbers said, I am God and I cannot lie. So he's not a liar and, and he's not uh, prejudiced or he's not going to pick one person over another. He's equal. He's given everybody an opportunity. You can have greater faith than a prophet or apostles. It doesn't matter if you have a five-fold ministry office. That's a gift God gave these people and us and different ones. But you can have greater faith than them. I'd put Miss Gwen's faith up against any of us. And she's a great example. She's a prophetess, but still... Her faith is so great. And there's others. There's grandmas and grandpas and friends and cousins. And there's children. Why do children sometimes pray and people get healed quicker than adults? Because they only experience what they told them in Sunday school, that God loves them and he heals them and he's not going to hurt them. And well, if he loves us, heals us, why is granny dying? I'm just going to pray for her. And they're five years old and lay hands on grandma and she gets up off her deathbed. What? But the Holy Ghost, you know, Holy and Ghost people prayed and prayed and cried and moaned. They were already sorrowing the funeral and planning it out. But the little girl just laid hands and then grandma got healed. Because her experience had been God is who he said he is and he will do what he said he would do because he loves us. Remember what I told you a few weeks ago. We are children of God in our best days and we're children of God on our worst days. Your identity and your positioning in God does not change. It reveals the obstacle in front of you and you can annihilate it or command it to go. One way or another, you're going through because what? Through is important. It's not just important to you. It's important to God. <clears throat> now, let's refresh a little bit from two streams for a few minutes. <clears throat> Dr. Coy Barker and others, but th this is so powerful from Dr. Coy. Remember, he said this year, 2023, 20, is the year of the what? Open door. And he gave us a scripture, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. For a great door, an effectual, which means prosperous door, is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. So even though you have 
been blessed, that doesn't mean you're not going to have an adversary. Satan's out to steal, kill, and destroy. But the key is he's under your feet when you're walking in great faith. <clears throat> and if not, you'll get him there quick. I love what the, the uh, Passion Translation says. There's an amazing door of opportunity standing wide open for me to minister here. It's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about going to minister, and somebody had a vision, he's going to die. He said, there's, there's an amazing door of opportunity standing wide open for me to minister here, even though there are many who oppose and stand against me. So what I want you to do is, you know, he said, let's, let's begin to give God praise for a mega door beyond explanation to be open. I don't want to get into all these scriptures right now, but I love this one. What do you say in Ephesians? Well, the scriptures tell us, and I've shared this with you. Ephesians 3.30. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Man, so whenever you, this goes back to what I was talking about. When you tap your spiritual, you are a spirit. You have a soul, a decision-making resource. You are a spirit. That spirit is born again, John 3. Says you can all, Jesus said, you can only be born again, what? Whenever you, uh, whenever you believe in God, right? And then you can only enter heaven whenever you're washed in the water and whatever. So anyway, it all gets back to your belief and your faith to be what recreated in it. What got born again, not Nicodemus' old body. What gets born again is your spirit that's been abiding in a state of death because of the fall of Adam and Eve, who you really are. When you're saved, your spirit that's created in the image and likeness of God, out of Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that's what's rebirthed. It comes alive in you. Now, at that point, you have the same spirit in you because you are the little brother or little sister of Jesus, the Son of God, who brought the spirit to you. And the same Holy Spirit is in you that Jesus and John the Baptist operated in before he died and rose from the dead to make it available to all of us in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. That's why we say greater is he who is in me than what he was in this world. What am I talking about? I'm talking about God's spirit in me. Now, when I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost, that means you take a glass of water and throw it into a bucket of water. In other words, being saved to get you to heaven, but when you're baptized, immersed, baptismo, submerged in the Spirit of God, just like you were in water, showing an outward showing of an inward faith, but when you're baptized in the Spirit and immersed, you go to a whole other realm and it opens up doors you can't even imagine. And I know this because I seeked it for years. It's a Nazarene. And it took me some time to get my belief up to even receive it. But more, once it opened up, it was like, it was like unbelievable all the things that opened up for me. <clears throat> I love what the, the, the pastor translation says about Ephesians 3.30. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will do them all. For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Go open the door, no man can shut. I, I got to go on. Okay, let me, let me get to this. And I'm going to give you a few, some scriptures that God put on my heart for us to focus on. One scripture that is going to be very prevalent about you building a legendary legacy for yourself, but imparting and giving to others is Psalm 22. And it's verses uh, 29 and 30 and 31, I think. I'll read a few up before it. Talking about God, he rules all the nations. Let us, let the rich of the earth feast and worship, bow before him, all who are mortal, all who lives in the dust, Here's what I want you to get. Our children will also serve him because they had been through suffering and all that, and they had to come back around to really reinitiate their trust in God. And they said, Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord, his righteous acts. What's this? This is experience being passed on. Will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything that is done. Hmm. And there's other great ones. That's, a fee, that's Psalms, you can read uh, Psalms 22, verse 25, then 27 through 31. You can write it down, but we'll make sure it's up, and then we'll also make sure 
that, uh, what's the new, I like what the new King James says. They will come and go back to the verse before that, 30, in the new King James. A posterity, that means seed. A seed shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. Go on. Next verse. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. In other words, what I'm talking, ugh, what I'm, I was trying to get to this for you. What I'm talking about, when I talk about you experiencing a legendary legacy for you and for others, what am I talking about? I'm not just talking about you now, which God wants you to have it to impart it. I'm talking about a generational blessing, a generational open door. A generational passing on. That, that's what God put in my heart years ago when we came here. And it's, it's like, Lord's like, well, why do you want that property? I said, well, God, I want to, to, to have more people saved and be able to take care of families. And do that. Okay, so, so then what? What, what? What's the end of your ministry in life at Bethel? We're getting ready to celebrate our 25th year in February. And Mark remembers this well. You know, because God had already given me the word that from this spot we'll touch the world and so on. We're a lot of the city, like a city on a hill. But back then there was nothing else around here except that brick house behind us and a nursery up there where Cracker Barrel is. There was no shopping mall or anything. We were it right here. And we fought demons to even get to do that here. Where was I? Generational blessings. So when I'm telling you guys that this is, so I want you to get this, that this is what? This year is a year, 2024, of expansion. Somebody say expansion. And invitation. I can't expand if I don't accept the invitation of God. Expansion and invitation, what to experience. So when I experience something, what does that do? It puts it in my arsenal as part of my lifestyle. To experience a supernatural lifestyle. To establish, look now, a legendary legacy for us and others. What's it talking about? What I was talking about, the whole key to that down here, and I'll get into it more later with you. The whole key that is that your children, you're, you're getting ready to step into for your children and your children's children's favor and blessing. What you're going to do in 24, you're going to begin to speak over grandkids, children you don't have, and grandkids you don't have, and great-grandkids you don't have, and great-great-grandkids. Because a vision God said to me, when you built this building, he said, what do you want to do? I said, God, I want it paid off. I want a debt-free ministry to establish a generation of faith to win the world for you. I don't want them to be paying interest, and $20,000 a month interest to a bank or any of that stuff. I want to release, I want, Steph and I realized a long time ago, first we thought, I really thought we would be buying Rupp Arena is what I felt when I built this. I really did. And then years into it, God said, you're, you're David. You're putting everything together for Solomon. We'll just believe Solomon they say. <laughs> but you're, you're David. You're stacking the gold. You're winning the fights. You're winning the wars. You're, you're doing the tough, rugged. You and Stephanie are doing the rough, tugged, ugly, messy, sweaty, leaves you tired and scratched and bruised, but, but you love me anyway. And he said, you're the David gathering all the gold and the silver and the jewel. We need to share that scripture later. You're doing all that. What? For the next generation of Solomon and generations beyond that they can just take off and not have any debt, any fear of anything. Everything they do is 100% ministry with the finances that come into this house. But what good is to be rich and not live in faith? The first premise is they must be a generation of faith so that they can prosper without sorrow, not for themselves, so God can get it through them and they can win nations in a day for them. Yeah. Hallelujah. Was that worth going over? Yeah. She gave me my zero a few minutes ago. I love her. She's a hoot. This is the scripture you want to grab hold of. You really need to read all of Psalm 66. It's 20 verses or so. But this particular verse, uh, let me read this first part. It says, shout joyful praises to God. This is out of the NLT. Shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. Sing about his glory of his name. Tell the world about it, how glorious he is. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Your enemies cringe before you, mighty power, your mighty power, everything on earth 
will worship you. They will sing praises. What are you doing while you're fasting? You're prophesying when you read this out loud. Shouting your name in glorious song. Here's it. Come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for his people. Then it goes on and talks about he opened the Red Sea and he done all that. Come and see. And that's what I want you to believe for, that we, we years ago people said, well, what kind of church is it? And, and, and a bunch of our people just kept saying, Tony was here and a bunch of, well, I don't know, just come and see. And that, before we got into this building, that was a, well, what kind of church is that? But it's just a coming, it's not a denominational church, it's interdenominational, it's God's church. Yeah, but what, what, what is it? Well, you just got to come and see. Then we walked, then we might become the come and see church for seven or eight years. Everybody's like, well, what kind of church? Just come and see, come and see. And we even promoted it after that because it got so prominent. And that's what I'm believing. I want you to live a life that people have to come and see you burn for Jesus. I want you to live a life that people have to come and see for themselves how blessed you are, how healthy you are, how strong and mighty, not just you, but your children and your children's children, multiple generational blessing and favor on you. There's many in this church that are second and a couple third generations from the time this church started. So a lot of burden is going to be on the second generation if they're not in faith. But I'm not worried about it. It'll be easy because they have experienced. You notice our teens and youth when they're up here, they don't want to leave when miracles are taking place. They're hungry for miracles. They're away right now at a worship deal. They're, they're hungry for the things of God. It doesn't matter if there's not a thousand. We've had hundreds more than what we have now. But it doesn't matter because there's a seed. Every child, every young man and woman in that group are seeds. Each one of them are a posterity. They're a seed. Even if their parents are not here, they're a seed to this family, to this church. It's a chosen family, right? Doesn't have to be your natural. It can be, but it's a chosen family. And they are chosen seeds by God that have been drawn into him and into this house to, to receive his manifested glory to see blind eyes open and deaf ears open people saved baptized in the Holy Ghost delivered from these they see it all in this church imagine if you saw what our teens saw when they were children whenever you were growing up in church where would your faith be I didn't see that stuff did you Kobe I didn't see it okay I'm winding down now another scripture I want you to read and I won't get into it. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 18 in the message translation. We'll put these up where you can access them. Then Psalm 104, verses 1 through 4 in the Passion. And I mean, you'll start reading these scriptures out loud. I want you every day to read them out loud to yourself. First thing, just read them out loud and pray over them. I'm telling you, it's going to start stirring your faith like crazy. Stirring your faith. So we'll make sure we get it up by tomorrow for you so you can start just putting it in your daily routine, getting ready for the fast. When the fast starts, just keep doing it because the power, you got scriptures you love, that's fine. But make sure you do these because when we do it corporately, it's a multiplied effect and not just one times one. It's a multiplied effect when we do it. Can anybody say amen this morning? Oh, hallelujah. Wow. That's different than I expected. It's like I keep forgetting we have a lot of new people and God will take me way back into the articles because I'll make a statement and they'll look at me is he crazy? And then I got to take them all the way back to Genesis and bring them back, <laughs> which is good because they're going to get it quicker than we did. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you in the, this morning, if you're far away from God or you've never been a child of God and you say, man, I need God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray for you where you are right now. So raise your hand, maybe online, let us know. But I don't want you to miss this opportunity of an open door. I don't want you, I love what really prophet, apostle said, Coy, Dr. Coy Barker, when he said it's an open door for more. God just has an open door for expansion and experience for you to have a greater supernatural lifestyle than you can ever imagine. And if that's you and you say, I just need to repent. I just need to give my life to God and return to God. If that's you on the count of three, rave at me real quick. I want to pray for you. Nobody's looking around but me. One, two, three. Wait, wait. Put your hand up high. I'm going to pray real quick here. Thank you, sir, for that. Thank you, ma'am, for that. Anyone else? Those two back there. Anyone else joining those two? Are we ready to pray? And I'm sure there's somebody online. Let's all pray this with them. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus rose from the dead and is the Son of God.
I repent of sin. I ask Jesus Christ to live in my heart, to be the Lord of my life and my Savior. I thank you that Jesus' blood atones my sin and gives me eternal life. I thank you that I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. In Jesus' name. Give God a shout of praise. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Give God a shout of praise. Come on, Mark. Hallelujah. I sure do love you. Good to be home.